So, is the corn crop catching up, or is the bean crop catching up, or is neither crop catching up? That's one of the things we're going to take a look at on Season 2, Episode 4 of the Pro Farmer Crop Tour Podcast, starting right now. Welcome, everyone. I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory, and I've got with us today Jeff Wilson, the leader, director, of the western leg of the Pro Farmer Midwest Crop Tour. He's also the Pro Farmer Senior Market Analyst. Jeff, thanks for being back with us today. Good afternoon, Chip. All right. And we've got kind of a special guest. I like to call her special anyway. Her name is Emily Carlin. She's the Territory Manager for Pioneer in Western Wisconsin. Emily, thank you for joining us today. How is everything? It's going good, Dad. How are you? Dad, Dad, <laughs> see, we got to get into the full disclosure kind of thing here, don't we? Yes. We should. Yes. We probably should, yes. Yeah. Everybody, uh, you, you, uh, many of you may remember Emily as Emily Flory. She has been working on Crop Tour now. Gosh, Emily. Uh, this is my seventh or eighth year now. Yeah. Yeah. Seventh or eighth year. Uh, she's been involved with tour logistics in the past. She's been involved with managing the data and checking data and making sure that we're putting out uh, clean data at, uh, at at the end of every day when we're out there on the tour. So I think that's really important. Hey, everybody, the, the Pro Farmer Midwest Crop Tour podcast is sponsored by Premier Sponsor Pioneer with support from IBM, RCIS, RAM, Aerovironment, Titan Tires, and Farm Credit Services of America. All right. Let, hey, before we get into a conversation with Emily about data management and everything, and Emily, don't forget, if you've got something to add as we're going through this crop progress, crop condition report, jump right in there, kid. We'd, we'd love to get your impressions on what's going on, especially when we get to some of these Wisconsin numbers, okay? Absolutely. You know I will. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I do know you well, <laughs> Jeff. Good. Yeah, Jeff. Let I want to talk a couple of uh, numbers out of the progress report, and one is on silking, the other one is on blooming. What I'm going to do is give you the points behind, okay? And and I think it's important to remember that these numbers are as of July 28th, <laughs> okay? July 28th, we finally got over half of the crop soaking, half of the corn crop soaking, Jeff. I, I mean, it, this is, uh, well, the late. phrase that I, the, the <laughs> phrase, yeah, late. But the phrase that I've been using to describe it all year, Jeff, is the edge of catastrophe. And, and when we've got 58% of the crop that has finally silked as of July 28th, I think that's still an appropriate fr- phrase for this corn crop. I think it's more than appropriate. I mean, we have no clue how this crop's going to finish. It, it, it could could still be okay. I mean, the crop rating went up a little bit, but it's just it's so so late and it's so con- it's it's a big area. It's yeah. it runs from South Dakota, it kind of skips over Iowa, and then Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and Michigan. The Great Lakes area is just so far behind. I mean, it's. Thirty-five percent, forty-five percent, forty-three. It's unbelievable those Great Lakes states how far they are behind. 
but South Dakota's the worst. Yep. It's 50% behind the silking pace. Yep. And are you ready for this? Sure. The crop statisticians decided that it gained the best this week in terms of conditions. It was up three percentage points in the good to excellent. So go figure that one out. You're 50% behind where you should be, and the crop is better. Yeah. Clearly, you're coming from a very low number, but it's just because it looks better doesn't mean it's any better. Dude, I I talked about it last week, but I'm sorry. When we're, and the thing is, we had Ed Valley from Empire Weather on, on, um, AgriTalk on Monday afternoon. And I said, Ed, I need some help because I'm feeling the backyarditis in a big way. And the reason I'm saying that, Jeff, is because the stuff around here looks great. And it's to the point now, it's to the point now that it's it's fooling me into thinking that everything's on time. Okay? You know what I mean? Because we got the tassels out. We've got the, the we've got pollination has happened. So now I'm sitting here and if it if it wasn't for the calendar I'd be looking at, at, at the temperatures. I'd be looking at, at length of day. I'd be looking at all of that and thinking everything is just fine. And you said it when you said the, the, the slowness of this crop, the lateness of this crop kind of hops over Iowa. I'm sorry, but in a, in, in, in a normal year, in a quote unquote normal year. And I mean, if, if Illinois, Indiana, the the eastern belt states were running at a normal pace we'd be looking at iowa 20 points behind the five-year average on silking (laughs) and nebraska at 18 points behind the five-year average on silking and saying oh damn those guys are in trouble and don't forget to throw michigan or uh, minnesota in there too watch okay uh, minnesota 27 yeah right just you're you're absolutely correct it's just it's it's a very large area that uh, you know we're just going to have to keep our eyes open and I mean I, I agree with you 100 percent and the corn crop here in Wisconsin at least in South uh, Central Wisconsin it looks so much better than it did a month ago yeah but it, it should have looked like this a month ago right <laughs> yeah that's that's yeah. the problem can I, can I interject here guys a little yes. bit yes. Okay, yep. okay. So I know, I know that we're super, super far behind, but it's super interesting because let's switch over to GDU talk here for just a short second. And from, it's, it's central Wisconsin. So Jeff, I mean, we're, we're farther north than what you are. But, I mean, in my neck of the woods, I was looking at some GDU totals and let's say that it's from May 1st. Okay, so I know that not a lot of the crop was planted as of May 1st, even May 5th, May 6th, May 7th, there wasn't as high of a percentage planted at that time. But right now, we're 34 GDUs behind normal. And in 2017, at this exact same time, we were 91 GDUs behind normal. Wow. Right? Right. All of a sudden, if we would have kept up that pace, at like that what we were on a month ago, we would, yes. A catastrophe would be happening. A normal to even a late frost date would have been a problem for many people in the Midwest. But that heat that we've had, some timing may have been off a little bit, but, man, it's been a blessing. It really has been. Yeah, it's been a blessing, but your planning date was still way behind what it was in 17, isn't it, Em? Yeah. Yeah, 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 it was. I'm in in a garden spot, though. I mean, you go... 
you go an hour east of the cities, and that's where I'm located, at, east of the Twin Cities, and that's where I'm at. And we have been a garden spot for the entire year. You go south of me, I mean, down by Madison, they have had rain after rain after rain, and things things are ugly. They really are. And I remember, you know, seeing people from down in that direction during planting season, and they were a solid 10, 15 days behind what our average planting day was. Yeah. 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 And then, guys, you go over into Illinois and Indiana and everything, and and, uh, you just consider the amount of June-planted corn there is. Ed Valley, Empire Weather, on on AgriTalk on Monday afternoon, uh, was basically saying, hey, the, the GDU accumulation since Memorial Day has actually been a little bit of head, ahead of normal uh, in, in that area. But it does, it, I don't think it matters. I mean, it's June-planted corn. It, it doesn't have enough time to, to build those really big yields. Uh, you know, and, and in our area, Emily, your old home turf, um, it, it is a garden spot, but is, is, is 200 bushel corn when we've gotten used to harvesting 230 and 240 bushel corn? I mean, is 200 bushel still good when you're used to 230, 240? I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it should be considered good. I, I don't know. I think that there are going to be some fields out there that are going to surprise us because we all, our expectations are set up to be lower this year. Yeah. I believe that for a lot of the people that I've talked to is that, you know, expectations are very, very low for, low for what to expect. But we were almost thinking that last year, too, when we were going on crop tour. Don't you remember that? Where oh, we were yeah. like, goodness, there's been a lot of storm damage. We just we really don't know what's sitting out here right now. And that crop was way farther ahead than what this crop is. So, yeah. I mean... Our expectations are lower, but corn can surprise us. It really yep. can. And that's, yep. why, that's my optimism speaking there, too, though. Good. Good. I like to hear that. You know, guys, and well, Jeff, Indiana has kind of been the focal point of this late growing season, this late developing corn crop. Well, the, it passed the baton this week to South Dakota. <laughs> All right. I mean, come on. 27% of the crop is silking? Huh. It's a disaster. <laughs> Ohio at 32 is not much better. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. My goodness. Well, you know, talking about how widespread it is, there you go. You've got Ohio at 32% silking versus a five-year average of 75. you got South Dakota at 27 versus a five-year of 77. Um. My goodness gracious! This is uh, this is 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 something to behold here. It's uh, Emily. Remember this year because this is probably one of the years you're going to be saying to Marin. Now I remember back in 2019 when. <laughs> <laughs> right. No. No. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But I feel like that happened. You know, that first year that you guys had me too, wasn't it? Kind of a crazy year called '93. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There you <laughs> yeah. go. Yep. We're on yep, a cycle, one... aren't we? <laughs> Let's see. Now, in the year that Thomas was born, 95, we had late pinings and a drought. Um, boy, yeah. we're going to have to pay attention to this. Just let us know, know when the next one's coming, okay? Yeah. So we... Right, yeah. Marin might be an only child. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can start a GoFundMe to make her an only, only child. Oh, there we go. There we go. It might be easier. 
<laughs> okay. No, we're not doing that. I'm just okay. All right. I'm just saying. Grandpa said. <laughs> yes, Grandpa says we're not doing that. Okay. You might uh, get fund traders to, to give you a GoFundMe to have a kid. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> there we go. Bring the volatility in. Like the government payments. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, soybeans blooming. 57% for the 18 states versus a five-year average of 79%. Here we are, 22% behind. When we look at the breakdown... My goodness. Uh, now's when we go back to Indiana for the furthest behind, I think, Jeff, at 42 points behind. Um, That's what I show. Yep. Okay. South Dakota, 27 points behind. And it, it, it this blooming number, it always confounds me just simply because it, they should all be blooming. I don't care if they, were, if they did emerge uh, after the longest day of the year. The, the, the length of night should be triggering some blooming on – on most of these beans, and here we are. We're at fifty-seven percent, so up seventeen percent from last week. Again, it gives the impression that this bean crop is catching up, but it's it's still got a long ways to go, Jeff. A long way to go, <laughs> and then at fifty, I mean, you still got forty percent that aren't blooming. I mean, like you said, it's just a, an amazing number that uh, will go down. Although there's been other years that have been less than this at, at this point in time, but it's just. It's in some very important states, and it runs all the way from. It's just a much bigger area. It feels like than I can remember, and yeah. you know, I, I could be wrong, but uh, it, yeah. the, the plants still look pretty short to me, driving around my area, and from what I've heard from people, and even in in Illinois and in uh, Nebraska and Iowa, yeah. so the plants still, you know, if the factory's not there. And the factory's not even blooming. Mm-hmm. It just seems like when how many pods can you get out of the crop? So right. it's right. it still could do. You know, we've seen it before where beans all of a sudden. You know, maybe the hot weather last week got it going. You know, up whatever it was. Uh, what was it up this week? Uh, twenty twenty three percent on the seventeen percent. Seventeen percent. Yes, up seventeen percent from forty to fifty seven. So. You know, maybe we get another big jump this week, and you know, maybe the cool, cooler weather. Let's just call it mild weather, right? It's not hot, it's not really cold, and hopefully, maybe that gets the factory going. And next week, it it catches up a little bit more, and right, it's just still going to be late. It's still going to be late, right? And what I'm more worried about with the beans is that it is drying in some areas, like even the storms that went through Illinois after they went through. Your neck of the woods yesterday or last night, yeah. uh, you know, they, they dissipated a lot more than people were hoping for. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, it, they did. You know, the one thing that I want to uh, caution everybody on on this, and, and it's a, it's the late planted story. So we talk about corn, corn that's planted in June. It just has less time to accumulate dry matter. It just has less time to gain weight. It just has less time to build yield. Well, this bean crop, uh, the late planted beans, and this, Jeff, we've been talking about the push toward earlier and earlier and earlier bean plantings, and a lot has to do with when we finally get soil temperatures warm enough to get those beans up out of the ground and get them growing and everything. But the sooner they're up and growing and the sooner they, they, they emerge, uh, the quicker they start putting on nodes. 
And nodes exactly. are where we can set those pods, the pod clusters. And uh, a late planted bean crop, I've, we, we've seen it before. Can it yield and, and yield okay? Yes. Can it do those big numbers like we saw in 2018 in Illinois, in Indiana, in parts of Iowa? That's really a stretch because you just don't give that plant enough time to put on nodes. So instead of having 17, 19, 22 nodes, you're at 13, 14. And there's your bean production factory right there, Jeff, that you were talking about. I mean, you just don't Mm -hmm. build a big enough factory to put on big enough yield. So, yeah, yeah, something that we have. Um. You're you're so right. So we've been doing a lot of node counting and seeing how far apart, and and they're not they're not that close together. The nodes they're really not because that you're really? right, Dad. They once that you know June second time frame hits most time, and most research shows that that's when yields really start to drop off because you have so much growing time during the day right and so they're growing 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 and they're stretching and they stretch too much and then they don't set those nodes appropriately because they think that it should be you know may 15th or so and so we've been taking a look at that and you're right i mean i'm counting a lot of nine tens right now and we're just starting to bloom in a lot of cases so i mean we're still going to set some we're still going to have a little bit of branching but once those once those pods start, you don't yep. get many more opportunity to set spots for where pods can develop, right? Right. And so I, it, it's going to be a struggle for these beans to pull it off just knowing that days are already getting shorter. And it's just everybody, like you said, it's such a widespread area. Normally you see a couple of pockets like that, yep. but I just, I don't, I don't know if they've, if they've got it in them this year. We're, right. we're more concerned about beans than we are corn right now. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Jeff, did you see anything in the conditions on beans? No, nothing out of of the line. I guess, you know, Mississippi up 5%. It's not a big change. Uh, Louisiana up 6%. I think they're just catching up on the rains that they had two weeks ago from Barry. So, but, uh, you know, Michigan down 5%, Tennessee down 5%. I'm not sure why Tennessee was down so much. Uh, that was kind of, but it's a minor state, relatively speaking. Uh, you know, overall, I think, you know, the conditions are about what was anticipated, but they're still, you know, overall, they're still 13% below the five-year average. And they're, you know, they're 16% behind a year ago. So that mm-hmm. it's still, a you know, a relatively low-rated crop. And we'll have to just see how the, uh, uh, you know, some of, some of it went from good to excellent, excellent and, you know, poor to fair, but it's still... It's not a situation that uh, dramatically changed right. in terms of where it was a week ago. It's it's still a a, a meh kind of crop, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a technique? Emily, have you seen that in the agronomy books? <laughs> meh. You know, I have. I have. <laughs> yep. Jeff Wilson's face is right next to it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, Jeff, I think we're wrapped up there on the crop condition and the crop progress reports, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump to a question that we that we get quite often on crop tour, and and it, it this gets more to the operational side of things because we've got an we've got a gosh, Emily, I don't even really want to call it an app. It's more of an entry system for the data 
that the scouts use out there on the road, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when I when I first started to help out on the Croft Tour seven years ago, eight years ago, whenever it was, we we had pretty much the exact same system, but we were writing it all on paper. Right. And we were faxing those, yes, faxing, back to the Cedar Falls office. Faxing doesn't seem that entering. old to me. Oh, come on. Are you kidding me, friend? <laughs> That's the word. Goodness gracious. Come on. Get with it. Yeah. They were they were then manually entering in every single number from every single scout and and every and every single stop on every route and so it was taking it was taking forever i mean i'm sure that a lot of people remember sitting in the in those meetings every night and we were you know talking and talking and talking and finally by 9 30 10 o'clock we could release the numbers because they had just gotten <laughs> done well our system now is a lot simpler everything goes right in so every single scout is entering in that data and then it's coming to me so that me and you dad can sit there and make sure that the data is as clean as possible so we're checking every single number that comes in to make sure that there's that nothing is switched around to make sure that we're as accurate as possible we understand that this is a big this is a big task, and there's a lot of stops on, on every single route. So we, we try and make as many as we can in a day. So we got to make sure that we're accurate and that we've got eyes on it, though, too. Yeah, and and, and, and you, you guys know. aren't and you guys just aren't checking once. You're checking twice. You're checking a third time because last year is the first year I got to be in those rooms, and I got yeah. to you know help out with the checking. And it really is every number is checked at least three times and maybe four times. And there's everything. If there's one little error then, you know, that, that gets taken out of the entire computation of what we do. And it's very important that, you know, we double-check everything against the sheets. And then if there's a problem, we actually call the driver or whoever did the actual, ta- you know, entered the data into our system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, right. I kind of for- I'd kind of forgotten about that, Jeff. I mean, you've been on Crop Tour like 20 times or some some ridiculous number like that. But last year was the first time that you – saw behind the curtain i guess and and honestly there's no curtain we just don't you know the people that have access to those numbers throughout the course of the day it's two people it's emily and it's me and we share them with nobody nobody until it's time to release them and uh uh the the uh checking those those numbers um boy i tell you what julianne johnston she kind of started the whole process for us when it when it comes to checking these numbers and and did a a great job of it for for a few several years uh with them coming in on the app but um it it is a process that and honestly i saw it saw it from start to finish for the first time last year when emily was doing it sitting right next to me in the vehicle going down the road and and it's 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 uh, 1,400 corn samples, 1,400 soybean samples that, like Jeff said, not they, they don't get double-checked, and in some cases they don't get triple-checked. They're quad-checked, and it's uh, <laughs> it's quite the process, isn't it, Emily? It sure is, and but what's so neat about it, too, like, yeah, there's a lot of data that goes in, and we, we constantly have to be looking at it and then preparing for the next day while we're out there, too, but what's cool is that, I mean, we have such a data set from year after year after year that we can now go back and start to analyze this 
so that it's actually it's giving us more data than what we've ever seen before out there too. I mean, there's no other tour that goes out there and puts this many boots on the ground, and so we need to make the most of it. We need to be able to double check everything and you know start to make some correlations to years past. And that's I think what I'm most looking forward to this year is just seeing you know where things start to you know kind of click. Okay, well this is what we saw back in you know. 2010, maybe 2013 in, in this neck of the woods, you know, how can we start to piece that together so that we can give some information to the growers that are that are listening and need this information to make better decisions for their own operations? Because that's really what it's all about is, you know, putting the data out there so that, so that farmers have the benefit, right? Right, right, absolutely. And as long as we're talking about this data, this is the first time that we will do this, but I'm going to do it several times or at least a, a couple of more times leading up to the tour, uh, there is a there is a difference between the data that we release each day of the tour from uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights. That is raw data, guys. It is raw data. That is the, the, the data that we put out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights, that, that is the simple averages that Emily primarily has calculated through the day based on the the sample uh the the samples that have come into the system now once that is all done once thursday night rolls around once you get the iowa data and the minnesota data crop tour is over crop tour is over and then on friday pro farmer will release its crop estimates and its national average yield estimates for both corn and soybeans. Do do the guys at ProFarmer, which includes me, do we use the data that we get on Crop Tour? Of course we do. Is that the only data that we take into consideration? Of course it isn't. We've got to take into consideration production outside of the crop tour area although we're looking at about 75 percent of the corn acres i'm sorry 75 percent of the bean acres uh, about 70 percent of the corn acres something like that but it's uh we've got to look at conditions outside we've got to look at that maturity date when uh, or maturity pace there's there's some kentucky windage right jeff that you got to throw yep. into this um I, and I will tell you this, the more mature the crop is when we go through and use the, the crop tour calculations, the better the job the crop tour calculation does in getting to that final yield. When you're looking at an immature crop, there have been years when the crop tour data has done a great job, a great job of predicting final yields, and there's years when it's been way off. And it all depends on the finish that we give that crop from the time we wrap up crop tour until the the combines roll. Uh, so that's some things that we're just going to have to take into consideration when, when Pro Farmer is putting together the estimate. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the raw data that Emily is working on all day, every day, though, th- those averages that you see are based on the raw data from the tour. Thursday, when you get the Minnesota numbers, when you get the Iowa numbers, crop tour is over. That's it. Friday, when you get the pro farmer crop estimates, pro farmer yield estimates, it's going to take into consideration a lot of other variables, including the maturity of the crop. So just I w- that's a message that I hope is is getting out there loud and clear, Jeff, because there have been some years when 
the difference between the crop tour and the pro farmer yield estimates has been considerable, and it's because of the maturity of the crop that we're looking at. And that's never going to change. That's, <laughs> you go at the same time every year. Yep. Some years are going to be planted early. Some years are going to be planted normal. Some years are going to be planted late. So every year is going to have its own variation. That's exactly right. All right, Emily, um, don't pack your bags yet, but uh, be thinking about what you're going to be taking along because crop tour isn't that far away, okay? I know. We're looking forward to it. Just a couple <laughs> more short weeks, I guess. Oh, goodness, it is. It's sneaking up on us here. Yes, it is. All right. That is Emily Carlin. She is a territory manager for Pioneer there in western Wisconsin. And, of course, we've got Jeff Wilson with us, Pro Farmer Senior Market Analyst and the leader and director of the western leg of the Pro Farmer Midwest Crop Tour. Guys, thank you so much. We'll talk with you again soon. Take care. All right. Hey, everybody, just a reminder that uh, the premier sponsor of the Crop Tour is Pioneer with support from IBM. RCIS, RAM, Aerovironment, Titan Tires, and Farm Credit Services of America. For the guys at Pro Farmer and Emily Carlin this week, we are wrapping up another edition of the Pro Farmer Midwest Crop Tour podcast. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a good one. <laughs>